karma, uh, and the, kar the karma that comes from the past, the karma that you're working with right now, and the karma that's going to show up later on. Uh, very simple, uh, uh, Sanchita karma uh, is the first one, and uh, Prabhda karma, and there's the last one. Sanskrit word, you should know. <laughs> Agami. Agami. So, uh, not necessarily to remember the Sanskrit, but, but the idea is that something comes from somewhere else. Like, you go look in the mirror, that's what you're looking at is past karma, because you can't, can't be here without something happening. This happens, therefore this happens. Your mom and dad meet, here you, here you are. Then you meet, then your children, and it's just a, a cause and effect. Very simple, cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect. On the other hand, on the same hand, cause and effect is very complicated. The world, uh, the world, the mundane world, the everyday world of coming and going, success and failure, happiness, sadness, uh, hungry and not hungry. I mean, you could go on and on with all the polarities. And so um, it's, uh, it's very easy to buy into that and try to, what, get ahead, get, get more. Um, and if your karma, Sanchita karma is pretty good, then you could be born into wealth. You could be born into a country where the where there's uh, like Norway, <laughs> where there's not a lot of warfare going on. Or if the karma, which you have no say so over, as as a you know at least we don't have memories of it, you could be born into a, a place like uh, Syria. You know, imagine being a, a three year old in Syria, yeah, or, or lots of other places in. Uh, Ecuador. I mean, there's just so many places in the world, and we're so uh, free and well favored to be in this particular position where we can actually live and have a job and live our life. And so the title of this talk is When the Five Skandhas Enter the Six Realms. Uh, the Five Skandhas, this is a talk I've given before a while back. I don't know how long ago was that I talked about this. I don't know, maybe, maybe last year. But I never uh, know what I've said and rarely <clears throat> repeat myself, unless I do, which I also do that. Uh, so simply put, it's not that exotic. The five skandhas are form, the body, form, feeling, uh, these kind of feeling and the feelings, the emotions we have, feeling perception out of the, out of the, the ears, the eyes, fingertips, mind, perception, uh, concepts or thinking process. Uh, the, the constant chatter of the mind uh, about this, about that, this is good, that's bad, I like this, I don't like that. I used to like that, but not anymore. So like when we do that, all of, we're always running around. It's like a bunch of people in the playpen, like a bunch of adults that are tiny. So form, feeling, perception, concept or thinking process or ideation and consciousness are the six sense fields and their objects. The six sense fields. And their objects. So the, the obvious, you can go through all of those, but just the, there's the eye, then there's the eye consciousness, which is somewhere in here, and then there's the object or the sight or the color, or the shape, the texture, the distance. Same thing with every single one of these. This is operating all the time. The ego mind, the self-centered mind, uh, tends to kind of take these for granted, and we, we just function as, well, I'm here, and this is what life is about, and this is what I do and what I don't do. And so this, uh, when this when these five skandhas enter the six realms of the hell realm, the hungry ghost realm, the animal realm, the human realm, the jealous god realm, or the god realm, this is called a living being. This is called a human being. What are we doing? What are we going to do with that? What we'll do is what we do is if you're if you're if you're fine, if everything is going good, and you, um, I'm just going to 
not mocking anybody particularly, but if you if you have if you're born with uh, you're gifted, or if you're born with uh, lots of uh, money or skills, or or in a in a, a country where uh, everybody's free and you can do what you want, then not too bad as long as you don't get ill. There's so many things that can take you out. So death comes without warning, change. So what are we talking about this for? The idea here is to to bring your mind, my mind, all of our minds so that we can see more completely what is happening in the world, what's happening with us, uh, what's happening in the world. If someone is born, the karma we talked about this morning is their, their, their uh, sanchita karma or karma of past lives or what looks like past lives. We don't know for sure if they're past lives or not. I don't really claim to believe in any of that stuff. I just talk about it. So depending on what happens there, we could come into this life as a, you know, a baby being, as I said, being born in or Yemen. That's another place. If you watch the news at all, sure, who wants to watch that? Let's watch something else. I mean, you actually have all the realms right on uh, your uh, television. Just all the all the realms are on Netflix. Yeah, they are. I mean, you can find the. It's easy to find out, but it's but it's a distant. You know, you can experience the whole realm, but you don't have to actually be on it. You can experience all of those realms just by just pick your story. You, know, you could you could look at. Uh, uh, go to look at uh, something like uh, the um, Henry VIII. <laughs> look at a play of Henry VIII, and then you get a, a picture of all uh, all those realms showing up, not only with them, but all the different wives and so on. Very interesting area. So the the six realms, uh, the, the it is said in the six realms, and these are just states of mind. Doesn't mean that you're actually necessarily in hell. Although if you're born in Syria. You're born in Yemen and you're a little child. That, that could be a hellish experience and absolutely terrifying for a little person, let alone a full-grown adult who's also panicked because they've got their children and they don't know how to protect them because of, because of causes and conditions that are beyond our control, purview, beyond our say-so. Uh, as you know, the world is big. Lots of cause and effect going on. Here we are in a room talking about what? Consciousness itself. There's nothing... I don't to believe or disbelieve anything. Even though I'm a Buddhist monk, I don't really believe in Buddhism, nor do I disbelieve in it, nor do I ignore it. Those are the three ways of avoiding your life and avoiding reality. And if you're, if you're at the mercy of passion, aggression, and ignorance, or grasping, rejection, rejection, and shutting down or distracting yourself into something else, then you will, what, miss your life. You'll miss your life. You'll actually live uh, a life that avoids anything difficult. You'll, you'll move away from it. You'll move into a, you'll try to maintain some kind of a, of a hell, heaven realm. In other words, where everything's perfect, nothing ever goes wrong. There's always running water. There's always fairly good weather. If there isn't, you can you know, move to Arizona. <laughs> That's what, what Jim does. <laughs> Arizona, then, but I'm not sure if you're doing it out of weather. It's more lots of other things. But it's good to have that, being able to go back and forth to something, don't you think? Not accusing you of anything, of course not. I mean, I do the same thing with Battle Creek and Traverse City. <laughs> so, I get tired of hell down there, and I come to hell up here. <laughs> and I have a little hellion to keep things going. No, of course I'm joking. But I'm just saying that that we're, our state of mind is uh, it's the state of mind that's like that. Uh, we could have uh, five. We all probably know somebody that. Every time we talk to them, just they're just like they're in terrible shape. Even though they, they they have everything they need or want, 
you know, have their health is pretty good and they're, you know, have might have money or employment or anything, yet they're just upset or miserable. Their mind is, is going spinning and spinning or, or they're have, having nightmares or anxiety. So it's so variable. There's so many different ways that it can show up, so many, and it's uh, uh, pretty difficult to uh, just decide, well, I'm just going to be somebody else, you know, pretty much whoever's born here. That's the Sanchita karma. Then you have the Parabdha karma, which means whatever you do with this, how you, and that's a difficult area because they tend to lace together in such a way that you can't really find the line there. They tend to, there's something vague. It's about, um, it's about the uh, water and a beach or where there's lots of uh, foliage and everything. Hard to tell where the actual boundary is. They tend to overlap. And so those six realms could be our states of mind. I'm not saying they, the images there, the metaphors are actual kind of places because it's an ancient teaching goes way back to actually before the Buddha, actually into ancient Indian philosophy. And the, um, I don't remember the text. Do you know? Do you know what text that comes from? Ancient India? Not that you were in ancient India. No. <laughs> <laughs> could be in the Panifeds, could be in the. Uh, it could be in, uh, in one of those. There's four or five of them right now. So, uh, but to go through those realms, it just means that in a day, some of us, not all of us, but some, uh, you, could act, you can actually just your state of mind, you can move, you can be in a state where you're, you're doing dishes, you're looking out the window, and it's a nice day, and, it's, and you're, you could call it kind of a heaven realm. You're feeling really good. You're feeling safe. You know, you made your car payment, or however you want to characterize that feeling of being okay, everything is working out fine. And uh, then suddenly, just because of causes and conditions, that this uh, uh, five skandhas, form, feeling, perception, concept, consciousness, we call a human being that thinks it is somebody, uh, is appearing, looking at something, what else, like the weather, the time, because of the uh, causes and conditions, this person can be doing uh, something that they're very much in the uh, heaven realm or completely at peace, nothing is wrong, no worries, no anxiety. They love their life, they're here, and all of a sudden their house catches on fire. Or they're, someone really close to them calls, and they've been and someone else calls, and they've been in an accident. All of a sudden, you go from the heaven realm, the state of mind now, right down into hell. And, and that state of mind, not, not someplace where there's a bunch of devils, but someplace where you're just absolutely terrified of what's happening, that you're going to lose somebody that, that is your, close to you, someone that you love, your relative, your uh, anything. And so we, uh, the other one, the other level of that might be um, you're looking out the window, and I'm just making this stuff up because I like to make stuff. Up. Uh, you're looking out the window, and suddenly you see that somebody's got the same kind of car you have. They also have a Porsche, <laughs> <laughs> and they actually got the one that you you couldn't get that color, but now they have that. So I'm saying a little bit of jealousy. So this uh, kind of interrupts the. And this is called the jealous god realm of the realm of the asuras. This is a an area. And it could happen just like this as your personal experience daily, and it could go away. You could even think about it after a few minutes and say, oh, I don't care what they got. So it might not, might not amount to anything. If there's a much insecurity about yourself or your image of yourself, then it might last for a while, and you might, you know, I don't know what you would do about that other than go get two Porsches or buy a Mercedes. So, uh, but also, you know, you could have a sense of humor about it, but it might be the first thing might be that, and then you'd say, oh, that's because you're, you're not particularly uh, tormented by the, the, the rotating of your mind. Uh, and this quite often comes out of, uh, it could come out of mind training. It'll also come out of your, again, that Sanchita karma, where 
you're just born to be able to work with uh, that kind of negativity arising. You don't make a big deal out of it. Things arise are difficult. You have a sense of humor about it and you go on. Uh, pretty hard to do that if, if your child is threatened or you're somebody really close to you. Suddenly you hear they're in the hospital. They've been in an accident. You're probably not going to stay in the heaven realm. You're not going to say, well, too bad for them. Uh, you would you would resonate. They would find that situation would find your frequency. And even though you didn't know what happened, your your imagination could just erupt into all kinds of things. We've all been in some at some time or another been in a situation where imagination just goes wild. Even though we we don't all we know is we've been in an accident. You need to come. That's all we know. So if you're actually present. Uh, you may not, you might add a little bit, but you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't have that kind of ego, the ego that comes up with a, with a bucket of gasoline and says, no, let's really worry about this. Let's make up all kinds of terrible things. Why do we do that? That's a rhetorical question I'm about to answer. We do it because there is a self that needs protecting and that self is unreal. And so we invent things in order to secure this. And we don't care if we secure it through fear or if we secure it through, uh, Hope. I hope I got that right, because if I didn't, I'm not going to answer any questions about it. <laughs> so then the other realms, the hell realm, and then the, the next one up is the is the jealous God realm. And this is these are just ancient images that were taught a long time ago to, to talk about, what do they call it? Jealous God. Huh? It's like the hell realm, and then the next one up is the beast couple. Yeah, I knew I needed help. She's looking at the picture. Yeah, they're, they're all there. If you can see them, you have to be close to the magnifier. So you go from the hell realm up to the hungry ghost realm. Thank you. And the hungry ghost is one that's uh, characterized by uh, uh, clean and intense desire or lust or wanting something different and wanting to, and it's, and it's uh, one of the images and it's in that picture there is really huge bellies and little tiny mouths. So you're really, really hungry, but you can't, you can't satiate that hunger. So yes, hungry ghost. And it's a, uh, the ghost part of it means uh, is basically that it's a, uh, is it is such an intense lust or something else that there's a disembodied uh, kind of feeling happening there. And the next one up is the animal realm, and not to give the animals bad rap necessarily, but it's the it's the one that is characterized by uh, ignorance, even though some animals are pretty aware. Uh, and it is uh, it's just uh, the uh, image there is a, a pig just snuffling along and uh, has no idea there's such a thing as a sky. Or if a bird flew by, it probably wouldn't. You just would just ignore it. So it's characterized by ignorance. So the the three lower realms, so the hell realm, the hungry ghost realm, and the uh, anim, animal realm are the operant uh, situation. There is uh, aggression to the hell realm, um, passion for the hungry ghost realm, and ignorance for the animal realm or ignoring. Those are the three ways we avoid our lives. If if in fact we're avoiding our lives, and then the next three are. Uh, uh, the next one is the human realm, and it has been said that the human realm of uh, the states of mind is the only one where you could actually hear the Dharma, or the Dharma would really make much sense to you. All the rest of them, you're just too busy involved in your, in your whatever it is you're after, or whatever it is you're fighting, or whatever it is you're ignoring, and it's in the, uh, the, the, the realm of the jealous gods, which is the next one after the, the um, human realm, is, uh, is characterized by jealousy, and which is also passion and trying to get ahead of everybody. If you were to look at, say, Wall Street, that would be a good example of a lot of people with all different kinds of ladders, all climbing ladders and trying to get ahead of the other person, get more money. It's interesting how since somebody gets a lot of money, sometimes they want a lot more money. 
uh, you know, we probably can pick out a few of those people that are well known. Uh, so what is the idea here? The idea is not necessarily to get out of there also, although some teachers talk about it that way. My way of saying is just to be aware that your mind goes through those different areas. Sometimes there's a little bit of jealousy. Sometimes there's a little bit of uh, fear or terror. Sometimes there's a little bit of craving or wanting something that you can't get and still wanting it anyway, and it creates a discomfort. And uh, sometimes there's a, a shutting down or ignoring. And quite often, uh, the people that we know, if you know someone quite well, you can see where their life is characterized by possibly what, by one of those activities, either but never really looking closely at everything. Sometimes even their body language is quite dull. You talk to them and it's not sure if they're even listening to you. Because if you say, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And if, but if, you, if it's impolite, but if you were to say, what did I say? They might say, oh, I'm not sure what you're saying. And you could accuse them, especially if they were one of your grown children. You could say, <laughs> you could say something like, well, I want you to repeat what I said. Paraphrase it. I do that all the time. It's not. <laughs> Don't do that. So anyway, what we're doing is we're saying that a human being, you're born, you come into life, and then we pass through states of mind dependent upon the degree to which we're basically confused about what this whole mandala or this whole circle of, of the earth, the planets, uh, our birth and our death and everything back from the, you know, the first century, the 10th century, the 13th century, to now and on into the centuries into the future, if there is any, is basically what it's char characterized by discontent or suffering on some level. We may not be having too much, or we might. I, I don't think you can get on this path unless you have some kind of uh, issue or problem or discontent or some, some desire for something else, something, something other than just this. So uh, I made any more mistakes. Any questions at this point? Yes. So you just said that um, this realm is, is characterized by discontent. Mm -hmm. We have a desire to want something else, but then when we get into this path, you tell us there isn't anything else. I told you that? Well, the teachings <laughs> tell us that. So is it necessary to come to this path to find out? No, it is not necessary. No, it's not necessary. You're, they're what, what, uh, who you are, who you actually are, this, this isn't something you should believe. You've all heard me say, forget everything I said. Uh, if, if it's necessary, what I say is necessary to you, you won't be able to forget it. And so I'm not concerned with converting anybody. This is not propaganda. You're in the room, so you give me permission to talk. That's what I'm doing. Uh, but no, it's not necessary. Uh, your karma, you're the causes and conditions that arise as any given person will bring you into uh, teachings of the Buddha, or maybe take you into the teachings of Christ, or Islam, or Native American, or into atheism, or, I mean, there's just so many different directions, you, or nothing at all. Maybe you don't, you don't, you're fine with just, uh, uh, you know, going out to breakfast, doing something else, having a, you know, getting your retirement, or, or figuring out somebody get somebody else's retirement. That's not funny. Huh? Potentially within a day, we could be going through the six realms. It's not that you're ever out of the hell realm forever or out of, you know, that. Not only, not only that, but you can go through those and it's possible to transcend the personal identity as you do it so that you still may go through it, but there's no one doing it. 
emotionally reactive to it. You may be emotional reaction is uh, is just emotional reaction. It doesn't necessarily imply there's somebody having that. That's that's the thing that's so difficult to convey to people. So when I talk about it, I say, go sit and face the wall. Look at the wall. Sit down, hold still. Watch what moves until you see what is actually real for yourself. It's not a belief system. It's a it's a it's a realization, and it's it transcends. It's not even an experience. If you think it's an experience, you'd be caught in the loop of experience. No experience. Experience. No experience. Realization is uh, your uh, grandfathered in, your grandmothered in. You realize you've always known this. You've just been covering it up from the time you were born. Uh, in, in in the 13th century, you've covered up, covered up, covered up. It's out of fear. We covered up. It's not to say that you might not awaken tomorrow and find out you're not separate from anything. You're not a, in, there's a separate body, there's a separate seeing, smelling, breathing, all that's happening because it's separated, but it's fundamentally not separate. So you wouldn't say, and to say we're all one, that's too much. You don't say that. You say, you say by a negativa, you say not separate. So that way everything gets to be exactly what it is. So more about that? Well, I'm trying, I mean, I'm, so we have these, ju- I have these judgments about yeah. other people in the world. You know, yeah, And me too. it's me too. Yeah. Or, yeah, I have those. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Those, those are just playful distractions? Oh, no, no, I didn't say that. No, I, I know, I'm trying to kind of figure out what... I'm trying to paraphrase what I said. Yeah, I'm trying to paraphrase how I, I can okay. understand that. So ask questions, that's good, ask questions about it. I'll, I'll help you uh, okay. with that. So if we are not separate... So some does that mean that some part of me is doing these things that I criticize when I see it on the TV or if I read it? Of course, you're you're actually seeing a projection of yourself, and you don't. Here's the interesting thing about it: you don't have to correct it; you just have to see it. It's called the ability to respond or responsibility, and there's no blame there. Praise and blame are uh, that's that's uh, Buddhism. uh, t- the teachings of the Buddha says everything, all dharmas or everything that arises is without blame. There's no culprit. There's no protagonist. There, even though this person kills that person, that's a limited understanding of what's happening, and one needs to have compassion for the for the protagonist or the what do they call that a killer perpetrator. But not that doesn't mean you make a chocolate cake for him. It means that you you make sure that he, she, they don't get loose where they can create more uh, harm and then you try to work with them where they ask you if you can help them. I sometimes say, help people get an idea how, how really uh, deep this uh, understanding, misunderstanding, which are the same thing, not different, misunderstanding, understanding, by saying, if I said right now, you have to make a choice, you either have to be a victim or a perpetrator, murderer. Make a choice. Which one? Mm-hmm. Which one? Victim. Which one? Mm-hmm. Which one? Yeah, Which one? Murderer. 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 Perpetrator. I don't know. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just saying that, and it, it varies. Uh, and some people will say, well, I don't want to, uh, the kind of idealistic, fancy way of saying, I don't, I want to be the perpetrator because I don't want that person to have to be. Uh, I don't want, I would rather be the person who does that rather than uh, put that on someone else. But just a different way of looking at it. But actually, you can't have a perpetrator, or you can't have a murderer without a victim. So they're they're linked together, and the way in which they are linked, they are linked the same way the glomeruli in your kidneys are linked together. You can't see that, you can't trace that. People specialize in that and still don't know how it works. And that's physical. It's like and, and people uh, working with the brain, 
will go in and look and say, well, if I poke this, so you have a memory of your Aunt Maud uh, in 1913. And you, didn't, you weren't even alive in 1913. Did that happen? No. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? I mean, see, you can fiddle around with just the, just this physical situation and find out that you can't get you can't get a fact out of it. You can get factual things, but you can't get the fundamental fact out of it. And this is why uh, people are poking around in the brain, trying to figure out what is the brain. What is? They don't know what consciousness is. They know what it does. It houses things like ideas, memories. Consciousness is a space. And so it's a very interesting area. But when you come down to cause and effect or blame, yes. No, I was just thinking about the brain. Yeah. I mean, it, because, you know, I, I recently heard something where somebody fell, hit their head, and they saw a piano and they'd never played before, and they were playing Beethoven and Mozart. Yeah. But they couldn't play, the interviewer was interviewing him, and they said, could you play Happy Birthday? And he said, absolutely not. Yeah, never so learned it. that is really amazing. When you yeah, so that's just a little brain. glitch, like hitting their head, a little glitch that kind of throws everything out of whack a little bit which lets you know that this is a much bigger thing that's going on than we think from our little, you know, perch in the kitchen window looking at a, the neighbor's new car. Uh, it's, it's a very, very vast and deep, in, in, in Buddhism it's called a, a Maha Vipassana. A Maha's great and Vipassana is a, a great, uh, a great um, awareness that is profound and goes, it's practically goes through walls, but it doesn't grasp objects, it sees the, the relationship it sees the deep, deep karma that is happening with everything. It's powerful. And it, it actually, it, it, and this is where compassion comes from. Compassion isn't the kind where I feel sorry for, you know, for you because you uh, are, um, uh, hurt yourself or fell down or broke your arm. I mean, I might have a level of sympathy for that, of course, but the deep compassion is uh, without a self and it's without another. It doesn't have a, a protagonist and a, and a, what's the other? What? Yeah. Huh? Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> so it's more it's more profound and vast, and that's more open. There's less po the polarity part of it just kind of, kind of falls away. And so that this path, if one comes on this path, it's about having a realization that transcends the thought process. We don't we don't get rid of the thought process. We still think about things, but but the thinking is more of a tool rather than something that's out in front that we lead our life with the thinking, uh, we actually begin to lead our life with the awareness. The awareness actually starts to precede us. So you're always in a state of not knowing and you don't miss your life because you're living your life out of the karma that you've got coming and not out of the karma that is coming that you want to change into something else based on passion, aggression, and ignorance. Simply put, question? Say something about the role of, of, of karma and free will. Yes. What do you want me to say about it? Um, it's some interpretations of karma kind of uh, contradict the idea of free yeah. will. Well, it does relatively, in, in relative truth, it does contradict. That's what relative truth is about, opposites. This is right, that's wrong. And then later on, that's right and this is wrong. Flat earth, round earth. Oh, now it's back to flat earth again. Depends on where you're at. So I don't mean to mock what you're saying. I'm just saying that. It's, a, it's an interesting area that we could bring ourselves, our awareness into the space where, uh, where that is operant rather than jump to a conclusion about it based on some kind of relative evidence. All evidence is partial. You're not going to hear this from a lawyer. You're not going to hear it from, you're going to hear, hear it from anybody except someone who is working with deep consciousness in some way or another to be able to see that uh, 
So there's partial. You cannot have all the proof for anything. Just like a person who, going back to the someone who was a who hurt, or killed somebody, you you can't the, the the cause and effect that brought that about is so deep. But we don't see that. We immediately because it's easier just to lock that person up and blame them uh, rather than seeing that the next, next lifetime you're going to be in that position possibly. There's no uh, not accusing anybody of anything or, or predicting anything. But everything is uh, uh, not separate. So the idea of uh, your question was about. What was it again? Free, free. No, free will. So this is just some a way of talking about. So all, all freedom is relative, unless unless the freedom is not relative. So if the freedom is relative, it's freedom to do something, a freedom to not do something, uh, just that kind of freedom to have. It's a very objective, phenomenological kind of situation you're in. You're free to do this. You're free not to do this. So we have that kind of freedom. So, but uh, ultimate freedom is uh, to have uh, have no. Uh, no boundaries, no walls, or anywhere, and that's not an experience. If an experience, if it's an experience, then it's it's the relative kind of freedom. So you might say, I might say, in fact, I'll say it for you. What the hell are you talking about? How can you have freedom that that is that is not an experience? An experience is when something happens in the mind stream that is separate from what the mind stream, what was happening in the mind stream three seconds ago. So it's tied into time and space. There isn't anything with this. But if you don't realize it, you'll continue to keep opting for this and rejecting that and getting this and keeping this away, looking out the window at the Porsche. You'll keep going some kind of a thing. You'll have something going on all the time. Does mean it all like that? Pardon me? I mean, it all goes on all the time, right? I mean, it sure we does. from the stars, and yeah. we have no idea how we don't know. We got all of this, really. I don't know. You know? Got me? I don't know. I don't, I don't know who would know, right? And there is no how we what evolved yeah. from you know, whatever you, the, the 120. We don't know. No. And anybody that's po positing or guess or guessing, I mean, they might guess being a nuclear scientist or a, a particle physicist or something, and might have a lot of really fancy guesswork about particles and waves, and you know, and we listen to them or we listen to them on YouTube, and they tell us stuff, and we say, Phew, maybe he's onto something. He's not on anything. Well, then the next guy comes along. Yeah, he's got a better theory. He says, actually, it's the opposite of what he just said. And it goes on. As long as you're talking about relative truth, it's just exactly that. It's relative. There's a sutra in the ninth century. Uh, was it Sekitokisan or Tozan Rokai? says, uh, uh, oh, it's Sandokai. So it's uh, every, uh, the equality of sameness and difference. Everything you can find that's that's different, it's also the same. So you're, you get confounded by it. And the realization of this is not it has experiential qualities to it, but it's not fundamentally an experience because if it's an experience, what do experiences do? They disappear. But the truth, if you see it, which is a simple way of putting it, is not nothing is separate. Separated, it's not separate, and it's an astonishing realization. It's both completely flat and ordinary, and it's and at the same time it's uh, it's outrageous. Well, is that like the dancing molecules that are making up the table? But really, it's not a table. I mean, really, it's not solid. But I mean, is that the same idea? It, it's, it's somewhat. Me. It's somewhat that you're getting close to it. But if you go into it deeply, you find that the molecules are long ways. There's nothing but space in there. So yes, yeah. yeah. So, so, but yeah, yeah. I like to go. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it's that. But that what you just said. That's uh, 
in the five skandhas that we talked about, form, feeling, perception, concept, consciousness. That's the fourth one where you actually think about it. And uh, the other one that is there is uh, the six sense fields and their objects, which is consciousness. And beyond that, there's a consciousness that, that is like a needle that goes through all of them so that you, you fundamentally see with this, there's no longer an individual anymore. Right now in this room, there's someone looking at something else or there's someone looking at someone else. But the fundamental reality is there is no, there are, there are no separate beings. It's an, that's why in Buddhism, this is called an illusion or a delusion. So, huh? Maya. It's Maya. It's a girl's name. <laughs> Maya. But yes, your your idea about, yes, that's a way to approach it in a, in a materialistic sort of way and say, well, not only is it in consciousness that's true, but it's also true if you just go down into that, you can't find anything. Or if you go this way, I like to say, you want to know what uh, reality is? Look down at the floor. Now look the other way. You can't see the end of that. I mean, you can and, uh, you can put a hole in the ceiling so we can see the sky. <laughs> go out and look at the sky. Like look outside. Go outside and look at the sky. Endless. And it's an understatement to say endless, but it's not. You look down and there's the floor of the dirt, the center of the earth, a huge ball of fire in the middle of nowhere, and we're standing on it. And the, the people in China's feet are facing our feet. Come on, what's really going on? How does that work? What is gravity? Something we forget about all the time. We never remember gravity. And as I like to say, it never forgets us. If it did, we'd be in deep uh, stuff. Well, so then what? Then this. There isn't anything else but this. It's always this. If you see it, then you'll you'll know what it is. And everywhere you look, you'll see yourself. I'm not saying you'll see, you know, your face. But you'll, you'll recognize in the floor and the sky and other people and people's faces. You'll always see. You'll no, no longer have any enemies anywhere at all. None. And I'm not saying that someone coming at you and trying to rob you uh, isn't isn't functioning, relatively speaking. I'm not saying let them just go ahead and rob me. You know, we're all one. I'm going to say that. You know, I'd probably kick them in the shins. I would relate to it where it's at, but relating to it where it's at out of your awareness rather than out of some kind of anger or some kind of uh, disturbance is powerful to actually be so present that you see this person is suffering, they're coming at you out of their suffering because they want something else, mainly your money, because they think somehow it comes back to the same thing that's happening with every human being. Well, I want to be happy. I want to be happy. And sometimes we're willing to be happy if they're, you know, somebody else paying for it or being miserable. So I think it's I think it comes to that kind of a, a realization. And it's so profound and vast that you, you're tongue tied. You don't know how to, if that happens to you, you won't know how to talk about it. Or, or maybe you do. Maybe you just do the best you can. It's difficult to put into words uh, without making promises or saying this is true. You should believe me or something. So anytime anybody tells you uh, they got a corner on the truth, that's a, a red flag should go up. Don't believe anybody. Don't believe me. And don't disbelieve anybody. Don't disbelieve me. And don't ignore or look away. So if you do that, then I'll be fine. Yes. Uh, Jin Chu down at Super Koji has a question. I know her. She asks, can anger hijack our awareness? It can only hijack or, or it can only diffuse your or or uh, modify your awareness if you're trying to get rid of the anger. If you're trying to get rid of it by pushing on it, I don't want to be angry. If you're trying to get rid of it by uh, explaining it, the reason I'm angry is because they said this, they did that, they did that. 
or trying to distract yourself. I'm really angry, but I'm just going to do dishes. Paul had a situation where we're angry, and I'm just going to I'm going to go for a run. I'm going to jog. I'm going to get on the trampoline. You done that? <laughs> oh, I put a 91-year-old man on a trampoline yesterday. Was he mad? No. Oh. <laughs> but we, we want to somehow get away from uh, the anger uh, rather than actually just be, just just have anger, just be angry. It's threatening because then the ego mind thinks, oh, I can't do this because what if I, um, what if I break my glass table or what if I punch somebody or what if I say something that I, that I, Will regret or you know all those things come into play and uh that's why the sitting practice of meditation or meditation or stretching the awareness gives more and more and more room to talk about in a very relative way it's like having a bigger sky for the clouds a lot of room so when that anger rises have a big space for it it's called wisdom wisdom is just it's not a thing it's uh it's how we handle our world of passion aggression ignorance warfare so it seems to be very necessary to Find a way, and you might not be able to do it this week or next week or this year, but if you understand that and you want to make friends with yourself on a deep level, which is where the anger hides out and is waiting to be triggered by events out here, this is called Sanchita karma. This is the karma that you were born with. No one, no one poured a bucket of bad feelings in you. You came into being with that, or else you might be someone who really doesn't have much anger. Just a, might be something else, might be a little jealousy, Maybe a little sadness. Maybe you're depressed. You know, people have all kinds of feelings and emotions. Some people just never get. You can you can push on them. You can punch on them. Can, not that I've done that, but they never get mad. They just go, mm, don't punch me. But they never really get mad about it. They it's almost like they feed off the antagonism. But usually these things, uh, anger conjoins with regret. I mean, at least in my mind. What does? It does, and you know uh, it's Randy, right? Yes. So, Randy, what what happens is uh, is the anger uh, comes up, and then we see that we see that, and it's coming through, and it's you know angry, and our, start to clench our teeth or our fists or whatever, and maybe we don't act out, but we still we have, and then it starts to dissipate, and we start to have what you said is the regret. So this is the cycle. These there's three of them: passion, aggression. So this is aggression that was triggered by who knows what. The next thing it comes to replace that. And it feels like you're getting rid of the anger, but actually you're replacing it with another one of the three poisons called uh, passion or regret. Oh my God, what have I done? It's, just, it's more about the self-centeredness of one who's anger, or angry, the self-centeredness about someone who regrets it, and what is, comes next, then it's the ignorance. Then we send a, because we felt bad about the anger, then we kind of, uh, say it other ways, but I'm going to say it this way, kind of let ourselves off the hook, well, at least I felt bad about it. And so then, then, that, then we don't have to really look at the, the substrate of that situation, which is ignorance. That we're actually ignoring something, so we go back into ignoring. Then another trigger comes up eight weeks away, eight years away, 15 minutes away. Some other trigger comes up and goes, and just happens to be that frequency, the, uh, the, the really uh, um, impersonal way I talk about it sometimes is uh, the temple, the monastery in Battle Creek, we have a big drum. And so if the temperature, the frequency, and everything is just right, we whack that drum, and there's one particular window way across the way that rattles. So the drum, you could say the drum is kind of because it's the same uh, resonance, it, and that window is just because the way it's put in there, it just rattles, it picks up the other windows don't. So that's a very similar way sometimes that somebody does something, and because we were on that wavelength, we get angry. 
maybe no one else is getting angry. You might even say, isn't that, do you hear what he said? Yeah, I heard. It really makes me mad. It makes you mad? Why? And then you say, I don't know. I just, uh, uh, and then we might come up with some kind of story about, because we, we don't want to not know. So we immediately come in with the, the, the passion part of it and explain everything. Further uh, patina over everything so we can't really see down deep into it. Because when we look down deep into it, not just you or, or me or just, but anybody, when you look down deep into it, you start to find uh, an identity that needs to be supported somehow, which is called ego or self-centeredness. On this path, if you go further, you eventually see that that ego or that self-centeredness is non-existent. There is no solid self in the skandhas. It just looks like it. And it looks so much like it that people are willing to kill each other, go to war, and just be really, really intensely mean to each other, rather than seeing this is an incredibly huge uh, family. It's like a family. If you see what this is, you don't have any strength. There's no strangers. There's no enemies anymore, even though they might act like it. Yes. Um, Mariah down in Texas has a question. Two questions, actually. Mariah in Texas. Is it possible to escape the six realms? Can you get to a point where you are no longer in any of the realms? Well, what happens is you uh, you you transcend the, the 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 grasping at a self and the grasping at another. So then the six then the six realms uh, you may you may stay in them. You may go out uh, as a as a consciousness. You're no longer concerned with that. So you're not concerned with being better. Not concerned with being worse. And if you're on this path, then your dedication becomes to save all beings or help others who are suffering and who are at war with each other and are torturing and killing each other and making life miserable. So then you're, you have a dedication to doing that. So you may stay in those realms, but there's no solid being experiencing it. That means that anger will come up and you won't, you won't necessarily push it down. You won't explain it. You won't do anything with it. It'll just come through. It's like living in a house with all the windows and doors removed. You're in there. Uh, visitors come, anger, passion, aggression, ignorance, and they come in and they go right in one door and you say, hey, what up? And they go right out the other door. Or you might not say anything. But you don't meddle with them. You don't say, oh, no, anger's coming. I thought I was enlightened. And here's the anger coming again. Oh, no. Instead, you, you know that it's unreal. You know that it's an illusion, even though it still feels that claw-like feeling. So it's not necessary to get rid of the six realms. The six realms... Uh, they may be there, they may not, but you're not concerned because the solid self that was at once terrified being by being wrong or supported by being right or supported by getting something and and worried or sad about losing something uh, is uh, no longer solid. It's a discontinuous identity. So, uh, Mariah, if you have a further question about that, the other thing I can say about it is it seems to take a long time. It takes a lot, takes you have to train the mind rather than just let the mind wander around and uh, be uh, freewheeling. You can do that. It just means that the karma that you came in to the world with and, and whatever the, the parabda karma, the karma you add on to that, uh, creates the, the more karma that's going to show up later on in an in, in apparent future lifetime. Yes? I might not get the terminology right, but the eighth consciousness or the yes. seed? Seed, yeah. Is that karma fed? Yes. So that's uh, that's uh, there's six. There's uh, not to go too far along, but eight consciousness.es There's the first five sense fields: sense of touch, sense of taste, sense of hearing, sense of smell, and so on. Sense of, and then the the six, which is the uh, what is that? Manas or thinking process. That that's the one that that interfaces with all uh, 
so the what who is fe the the feeling situation and the hearing and the smelling and the tasting are all synchronized so it's it's one experience that has different aspects so you don't uh, get too confused and wonder if, if someone else is thinking about what you're feeling or if you're feeling things that somebody else you know, you know what i'm saying so it synchronizes the whole thing and then uh, the next two the next one up uh, is the seventh and that's the deluded mind that's the confused mind that's the that's the mind that is like a building that if you if you awaken all of the windows and doors blow off from it and there's no longer there's no longer anybody at the at the gate making sure this is going to be harmful to you or making sure this is going to be beneficial there's no more paranoia going on in there and then the the, the next one after that and it's just, just a way of talking about it. it's not something that people believe in but we just use it it's like you just just use it as some kind of a of a grid to help you uh, access uh, the way that in which the mind works. But the eighth one is taught from, uh, came up in the, with the uh, Sangha and Vasubandhu and the Sambhina Machana Sutra in the fourth century, third and fourth century, uh, is uh, uh, the Aliyah Vijnana, or the storehouse consciousness. <coughs> and there's uh, <coughs> the two aspects to that. It's sometimes called Bija and sometimes called Vasanas. Uh, and the Vasanas are like uh, it's like a perfuming, and so something that's happening here is goes up like a, a quality that's perfuming that, and also there are the bijas mean are seeds, and those uh, tend to to work. It's it's uh, there's some um, discussion that nobody ever no one has ever found a way to say it so that everybody agrees. So there's some disagreement about how that all works. But what happens is uh, something happens here, and it's like that drum in that window situation. Something happens here, and suddenly that area, there's something that is on that same, wave, same wavelength. And even though the, the Ali Vijnana is indeterminate and, and vast and without, without boundaries, doesn't have any, doesn't have any, there's no way you can look into it. Uh, something from there comes back down, and suddenly you're angry about something that really is, that might, someone else around you might even say, what, what's that about? You're making a mountain out of a molehill. All they said was this, and then you are enraged. Or it could work the other way around. They're doing something, and the vasanas are operating in such a way that suddenly you're in love with this person. You know, so any kind of uh, cause and effect situation is happening. Uh, what's being fundamentally said by, or I'm endeavoring to say fundamentally, is we're not separate. We, we just look like it, and we sometimes really intensely act like it. And it took me years to even be able to talk about this, even though I had some insight into it a long time ago. It took a while, say, a long time, yes. Jane has a follow-up question. Go for it, Jane. Jane, also from, from Texas. He asks, um, does that come through sitting? Yeah. So sitting practice and meditation allows you to strengthen, just a way of relative way of saying, the openness of the mind so that because of your you're going here and you're going there and you're buying this and you're buying that or you're selling or you're vacuuming or you're talking with your neighbors or looking out the window at the Porsche or whatever it may be. Whatever's happening, well, there's not a lot of space there. There's a lot of rigmarole going on, albeit fine. You might be perfectly happy. Uh, everything might be going well. Health could be great. Everything could be fine. Everything is impermanent. And so if you begin to see that or sense that uh, there might be a deeper, deeper level of understanding about what this is and what life is about, you might find, uh, as my teacher, my Zen teacher said, uh, Komantino Roshi, sometimes we just naturally sit down for a while. That's the way he said it. And call it meditation, sit down, hold still, watch what moves. There's no, and I've done millions of mantras, so I know about that practice. 
Uh, that's why I teach this is because I was trained by a Tibetan Lama. I was trained by a, a Zen, uh, Zen monk, Zen master. And I think shikantaza is a good thing to do. I don't think we have to necessarily do mantras. On the other hand, if you come to me and say, I want to learn a mantra, I'll teach you. I'll even give you one of these. You can spend hours and hours and hours, weeks, months, years. <laughs> so I'm not dissing the Tibetan practice, uh, the creation completion practices. Some people really, because of the way they're wired, the way they're ignoring their life, or the way they're working with their own passion, aggression, and ignorance, that might be a good way for them to work with that, have a do what's called deity yoga, where you, there's no deity, but you imagine something that is like your wisdom mind, and you talk to it, and you do a mantra, and you go through the beads, and by doing this, a body, speech, and mind, you create a, a temporary reality that then you dissolve back into yourself, and then you create it again, and then the next day you dissolve it back into yourself, and over and over and over. So you get involved in the creation completion uh, way the mind works, creation completion-wise. And I would say that your the way it looks to me is that your your life is enough of a creation, uh, since you you don't have to create anything. You're already creating stuff all day long. I would say sit down and dissolve it. Look at the wall. So it's very simple, similar kind of thing. Tibetan lamas would disagree with me. My teacher would probably disagree with me. Probably both of them would. I don't mind. They're not here anyway, so they're gone. I, uh, I sometimes say, don't do anything else you don't have to. And I really mean that. You should, you should, you should keep your own situation and, and don't, don't, don't do anything else you have to. Don't meditate. You don't have to meditate, don't meditate. Play uh, dominoes down in Venezuela. That's, they like dominoes. Further questions? Come on. Earlier, I think you said operate out of your awareness instead of anger. Yeah. So did I say instead? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think you did, but I don't know the, the wording that you used. What's the question? So if anger is our karma unfolding, how can we, on purpose, operate out of awareness instead of the thinking process? Or so watch, watch the uh, if you if the anger is uh, is got you and you're starting to act out of anger, then it's it's probably too late. So you just have to watch that as best you could and go ahead and you know throw the pillow across the room or whatever, or stomp on the floor or whatever you would do, or yell. Uh, but if you see it, if you, if, you, if you work with it and you begin to see it uh, uh, eventually, through, just through practice, through uh, stretching the awareness, being more and more aware, eventually you'll be able to experience the awareness because you'll be prioritizing the space in which the awareness occurs. I'll say it again. You're beginning to change your allegiance over from how you feel to who you are. How you feel is an illusion. I'm not saying feelings aren't really intense and really hurt and really feel good. And really feel neutral, boredom. But I'm saying that that's not you. That's that's a way of separating yourself into an artificial separation. So, but if you if you don't if you don't if you try to stop the anger, it catches you and it'll take you on a ride. And you just do that. I don't care how many yoga sessions you do. Not to saying anything against uh, Atanjali or yoga, but uh, you you'll go. You'll, you'll, but if you can, if you can just work with the anger, just be with the anger. Let the anger. Don't refuse the feeling of the anger. And then, as you do that, because of your sitting practice, because you're you're strengthening your awareness, you'll you'll begin to see the space in which they occur. The space is doing nothing. The anger is coming up like a ball of fire or whatever, and uh, um, or like a fire cloud. So 
there it is, and uh, and nothing lasts. So that anger eventually will dissolve back down, and what will be that left is a space, another creation completion. So it, it's created, and then it's then it dissolves. If you do nothing with it, but just be aware of it. Don't add to it. I shouldn't be angry. Uh, don't take away from it. I shouldn't be angry. And don't uh, ignore it. What anger? Oh, I'm not angry. No, are you mad? No, I'm not mad. I feel fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. You sure look mad. Well, that's you. You're projecting onto me. I'm not mad at all. Do I look mad? Just because my eyes are narrowed down? Well, that's because I'm so awake that I can just do whatever I want. <laughs> that's me. So, uh, is one way of understanding karma, the three karmas, the Sanchita karma, is your own karma from past life? That's how it looks. And so that's with you. And yes. That could be, quote unquote, the anger. Yes. The present karma yes. is the karma that is aware. Is that one way of thinking? A little bit. It's it's right there. There's a there's an interface there where the karma that's being created and the karma that's coming from the past uh, get kind of mixed up. And so it looks like that somebody actually made us mad when actually they they did something, but they didn't pour anger into me into you. They, they did something that resonated with something that you've ignored and not looked at. But if you're aware of that karma that's back there and you're aware that that comes up, then that triggering doesn't happen because it's, there's so much space for that. So that's an area, and that's uh, the more you practice, the more you begin to see the way in which you interact with others and the, and the way in which uh, that you're, you're responsible, the ability to respond. You're responsible for your own feelings or your feelings. When we say you, we're not saying a self. We're just saying this particular dynamic of awareness. Yes. So the, the anger may not necessarily dissipate, though. May not. Or your reaction may look angry to somebody else. But you're not, you're not, you've, you've, at this point, you would not be too worried about what other people are thinking. You're, you're, you need to be responsible for yourself. And if someone else is coming along and accusing you or something, that's going to be kind of beside the point. It'd be more about them trying to work with their own people. Are, anytime anybody accuses somebody else of something, even if they're correct, they're trying to get rid of their own problems and put it on. They want to blame something about blaming someone. Well, they're the ones who did it. How many times have we heard that tone of voice? Well, I didn't do anything. They did it. I was just sitting here. Pretty convincing, huh? Yeah. I spent many years doing that. Yes. Um, follow-up question from Mariah. That, that, yes. That other follow-up question wasn't from Shane. She's using his phone. That darn Mariah. <laughs> so here's her. Fooling me. Here's her other question. Yes. Um, the question is: Does the transcending of the six realms happen through sitting? Oh, don't misunderstand the transcending, because um, the sitting practice stretches or reconditions the way we approach things or receive things. Approach, receive, or turn away from, and it re aligns that. It's like a control-alt-delete. Every time you sit down, you're, you're returning to square one. And then, of course, we take off. Sometimes uh, sometimes those uh, the realms, uh, hell realm or something, if it's coming out of past karma, uh, past karma is so very extensive. Uh, and so uh, there's no guarantee that that's going to be, you know, you can't really promise something that. I couldn't promise you that. I say if you sit for 10 years that you'll transcend the, uh, this uh, the six realms. But what I could say is 
if you do that, you're going to be a lot more clear about the way in which that whole passion, aggression, ignorance mechanism keep, helps you to miss your life and to look for something else, to look for something else, something to cover it up, something to make it feel better, something artificial, something, something from outside that I need. You really don't need anything. But you, not just Mariah, but anyone, you would have to see it. You have to see that the grasping for something else is happening. It's like it says in the back of Lino's Roxy when I ordained her in 2010. I wrote her name out there, and then I looked at a blank, a blank space, and, and uh, Shoho was standing next to me. He said, well, write something there. So I said, nothing else. Wrote nothing else on it. So what does that mean? It means there isn't anything but this. It's always this. You notice that? It never becomes tomorrow. Yesterday's, you notice how it's not kind of odd. Yes, that's me. What were you? You were doing this? <laughs> okay, very good. Further questions? Margaret, do you have any questions? Well, I was just thinking about um, how you know, we have intellectual or uh, political or oh, yeah. discussions. We do, yeah. And how, you know, I mean, it's almost sort of like playing like tennis or something. Oh my gosh, it's a, it's a good, yeah, it is. You know, just like band playing tennis, right? Oh, yeah, like pong. a little back and forth, back and forth. Right, yeah. which sometimes we are trying to find the truth in a better that, way. Or does it look like that's what this is, ping pong? If it is, how and how in what way? How is it? Or tennis? Is it? Well, no, I I don't think this does look like that. I okay. love the concept of the spaciousness, yeah, making the cloud, the sky bigger for everything. You know, the clouds. Yeah. Good. That's a good. But taking it out into the world. Uh-huh. You don't have to do that. Or being out in the world. You're already there. And this we, is the world. You know, having opinions about things. Uh, opinions are extra. This is what an opinion looks like. As soon as you have an opinion about anything, even if it's really obvious that that happened to that, and you have an opinion, uh, as soon as you do this, that that situation doesn't need this. It doesn't need your uh, anything. Uh, but as soon as you do this, all investigation ceases, and everything that happens is constantly turning and changing and turning and changing. As soon as you have an opinion, the self-centeredness, the ego mind likes that because well, now I have a position. I know who I am. I'm a, you know, I'm a this. I'm a that. I'm a some kind of a definition, especially in terms of politics. Uh, you know, a person will say, well, "I've always been a Democrat. I've always been a Republican." Or, you know, it's just a, it's just it's it, it's so circular, and it's and it's painful to hear very sincere. People that are really full of love for everyone uh, talk in such a, a disturbing way. And there's other people that, you know, are mainly in love with themselves, but also talk in very disturbing ways. But, you know, to go in there and try to make warfare with that uh, and, uh, you know, whatever clubs and signs and you know how horrible that is. What you can do is I say everyone that talks to me about this is train your mind, train your mind so that you, your interaction with others uh, doesn't add to anyone's suffering or anyone's difficulty. This is the only person you have to have somewhat have to respond to this person. Uh, I'm not saying you shouldn't vote or join up. I do that myself. We do you know, support people who we think are are in that whole area, so we would support them. But uh, go ahead. No, I'm I'm thinking the people who aren't uh, you know like the real geniuses out there. Yeah. You're dreaming up things beyond normal. Name a genius. Well, I, you know, I was just thinking about um, what is it, Elon Musk? I was reading about him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just way out of the box. I mean, he's yeah, thinking he's a, about 
something up there that you know nobody's yeah. even gone in this area. I'm familiar know. with them. Yeah. Okay. Or smarty that, you know, <laughs> well, I just mean that he's doing yeah. things. He is. He is. And yeah. he doesn't. I'm not sure he has opinions. I mean, no. maybe he does. I guess recently there was some little spat. Oh, I'm sure he's got some opinions. Elon Musk. Yeah. But he's pretty free. But see, um, now here, here's the amazing thing, Margaret. His karma, his Sanchita karma, created this really pretty amazing uh, set of just like you know, you, you we all know somebody. Uh, maybe it's you, or maybe it's uh, Randy, but it, we all know somebody that has a particular kind of way of manifesting and being that that is that they didn't actually create, that they kind of are. Uh, they might have added to it by getting a PhD, or they might have added to it by doing whatever. But like Elon Musk, he's just born into that, just like our our, uh, our, our president that's spinning around in circles. You know, he didn't do that. Everything conspired, everything gets together to provide the the place for that kind of a but this has been going on for, I mean, you could go way back before, I mean, go back and read uh, what uh, Stalin did in the 30s and all the millions of people he killed. Uh, and, and it's just, and it's totally covered up, but it, but the history is there. The same thing with the, uh, with the, the, the Third Reich and all, all the things that happened there. And you can go back further than that. You can go uh, because so there's that just energy moving through yeah, and in it's, a certain way that the obstacles is. were removed. It is. And, and this is what this is a this everyone hears that there's a, a it's not an ego, but there's a sovereign spirit or a being who is here. Uh, and it's uh, in our lineage, we call it Buddha nature. But the Buddha, the, the awakened nature, not the, Buddha, the historical Buddha, but the awakened nature, this is just to give us a reference point, nothing to believe there. But it's about waking up to, to who you are so you actually so you begin to function totally out of your awareness rather than out of your picking and choosing your ideas or opinions even though they're relatively a lot of times they're quite accurate about things but if you go in there that the it's like a huge vacuum and if there's any kind of conflict in there because of the intense polarity of this and that which we've got tremendous polarity right now going on uh, you you you'll get you'll get dragged into that so I would say we need, as I think I said just recently, we need we don't have too many people doing this, but we need somebody to just hold still, and, and some people need to hold still and just train their minds. You're not turning into a vegetable. You might be more like a, a vegetable out in the world fighting with everything, more of a kind of an animal or a low level of intelligence that thinks the way to solve things is to kill people or to hit them or to drive Bradley fighting vehicles into them or to starve them or we know I don't have to tell you if we watch the news for a few minutes uh, it's uh, horrible what's going on so uh, I say what what can you do that's fundamentally uh, uh, fundamentally a powerful thing and you can train your mind so you can fundamentally see who you are deeply so there's no doubt if you have any doubts at all then you have work to do or not maybe maybe if one's karma is to just listen to this and think well I'm gonna continue to uh, you know keep the uh, Keep buying Porsches or something. You know. While you're at it, buy me one. <laughs> I'll take them. Yes, sir. Well, some of the philosophers that kind of deal with, uh, you know, trying to interpret reality. I yes. Um, you like, know, and they kind of talk about self like uh, it's an impossible thing where you are both the subject and the yeah. object yeah. of your world. You are know? you talking about existentialism? Um, or, I mean, deconstructionism. Deconstructionism, like. Yeah. Derrida. Derrida. Yeah, Derrida. 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 Yeah. yeah. So this is using 
the conceptual. I'm not a scholar, but this but is I, no, yeah. yeah. But we're we're going to chat about philosophy. Yeah, but it's interesting what yeah. they're saying. So so the interesting thing about that is that you they're using the intellect, which is a powerful intellect, way beyond this person, powerful powerful intellect to go in and use the conceptual representations of what's actually occurring in consciousness, and converting the consciousness itself into pieces that they can manipulate and they can stack together in such a way that when you see that, you recognize reality in that construct, but it's still a menu. It's still it's still a recipe, it's still a menu, it's still the construct. And then that's why we can look well, at it. They're still taking things apart. Right? Pardon me? They're still yeah. taking it, you know. And what this path is about is not is not ignoring that if you read uh, you read the Yogacara philosophy or Madhyamaka. I mean, it's Madhyamaka back in 2000 years ago was talking about the nature of reality in a way that is just uh, mind-blowing. Have you heard of uh, the fourfold negation of Nagarjuna? Not this, not that, not both, not neither. I mean, it's not, the, not this, not that, not both, not neither. He's just basically wiping out philosophy. Of course, that's what they're saying. I don't know. They're wiping out. I wouldn't go along with that necessarily. I don't know. I'm not that smart. But I can say that the, the approach to, to working with this uh, could be through philosophy, which I've spent a little bit of time reading about. That's very fascinating. Uh, but it seems to be the way to do this is through, the, uh, through consciousness itself, through perception only. Because there, uh, fundamentally, if I'll, I'll just say, lay this on you a little bit, and it's not an opinion. And if you accuse me of it, I'll deny it. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, everything is perception only. There's no perceiver. There's no. There's no sub. There's no subject. There's no object. There's just a perception. If you can find that in your consciousness uh, completely, uh, you transcend this world. You transcend everything. Go ahead. Well, some of them say, you know, uh, they can say creative or or taking part. In other words, that's you know a different right. way to describe taking it. So, part. Well, just like that, you're involved yeah. in it. You're taking yeah. part. But it's but it's still a very high level of relative truth. Right. And okay. yeah. don't say right too quick. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, <laughs> I agree with. I that. mean, I listened to him. You know, we, yeah. we took an interesting course in which we started with Plato and ended up with. Oh my goodness! Plato. Yeah. No, it was just like. Oh yeah, that Plato. Imaginations of it are. I know. You know, I know it's. Uh, yeah. uh, I've got in there a little bit, not probably yeah. not as much as you guys. Well, it's total Western stuff. It is, but it, but it's, a, it's not that that's uh, incorrect. And my goodness, some of that is just so profound. It's very magnetizing to go in and read uh, some of those. Uh, I, years ago, I was reading uh, Albert Camus and uh, and also uh, Kierkegaard. Uh, so I've got a little bit of a, a taste of that. But uh, but this particular way is where you actually uh, use the concepts to build up. Uh, some kind of a structure, like the five skandhas, uh, the four noble truths, the eightfold path, the 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 eight, uh, the six realms that we talked about, and you you with that concept conceptual uh, framework, you actually go and sit on the cushion, and you just you don't go there at all. You just and, and you're deconstructing a lot of things. That... Uh, you're deconstructing, uh, but not it, not the way Derrida does. It. No, not, no not, I understand, but it, no. um, well, you're trying to get down to certain. No, no, it's not. No, no. It's not. That's how, but that's how it starts. You're trying to. Is that a one word? Trying to. Yeah. <laughs> trying to. Trying to. Sanskrit word for I got to do this. <laughs> so you you sit down and you relax. You hold still and you do it the rest of your life. In other words, uh, 
uh, you do it. Uh, but on the other hand, you don't really have the attitude of doing it from now on because you don't know where near what you don't really know what this is. You're actually giving it the benefit of the doubt. I'll just sit here because I don't know what this is. I'm going to endeavor to see what this is. And at some point, the sitting practice of meditation and the everyday practice of looking out the window at the Porsche, the boundary between those collapses and you're always in a state of awareness uh, and there's no self and there's no other. And yet you're, you're when I say free, you're not free from a, a, anything. You're not free to a, to do anything. You're, it's fundamental freedom. There, there's no prison anywhere. Even a prison is not a prison anymore. This doesn't mean that you couldn't be, if a, uh, a giant bear came to the window and you're, you're looking at the Porsche and the bear comes up in front of you that you won't have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not saying you're, you're, you're completely out of, you know, in some kind of a blissful state. No, you're not separate from anything. So you're no longer at war. You're no longer at peace. Very important. No longer at war, no longer at peace. You don't have any friends. You don't have any enemies because there isn't anything separate from you. You can't, you can't, it's like love, but it's, if people are not, if nothing is separate from you, then it's, it's like looking at your, the back of your hand all the time. Of course, you're going to take care of your hands. Of course, you're going to take care of everyone. There, there would be no hesitation if, if this uh, is this, uh, the very thing that I'm uh, recommending that people do, if they'll listen to me. Sit down and find out who you are. Make friends with yourself on a really deep level. You will not have an enemy anywhere. You really won't have a friend anywhere because everyone will be your friend. And so no enemies. That would be a way to work with the world, as it said, uh, was it John Lennon or somebody said you were the world? One of those people. Interesting. The, the conceptual part of it is you, you, you could, uh, if you like that, you should uh, you should check out. Uh, what should you check out? The Thirty Verses of Vasubandhu. Meditation on emptiness. Meditation on emptiness. Yeah, we got a big thick book. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'll uh, check it out, but do I have to read it? <laughs> no, you don't have to read it. No, just as long as you own it. <laughs> it's like a big paperweight. <laughs> What's it called again? Meditation on emptiness. Yeah, yeah. but it's very. Uh, um, we study it. Uh, I don't know once a week. Or maybe. Yeah, we study it together. I don't go because I'm boring to me. So. No, actually, I, I participate in it. Too. I try to answer questions. Anything else? Anything online? No. How many How many people do we have there? Three or four? Yeah, uh, in the Zendo, it's Jinshu, Shodo, David, and uh, uh, Seito, as far as I know. Okay. And then Mariah and Shane are watching. And good. I don't know who else. Okay. So should we close? Okay. Okay. Very good. Thank you so much.